We start to rewrite and do the shadow work from a space of love, not from a space of extra separation. I think you need to start with a thank you. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for keeping me safe. Because you did. Because they do. And understand that as a child, you needed it. But as an adult, you don't need it anymore. And instead of helping you, it's now keeping you small and hurting you. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, beautiful, mystical, powerful beings out there in the podcast world. Welcome to another episode of the Cosmic Love Antenna. Here, as always, your host, Harrison, with a powerful guest who I'm going to introduce in two seconds. Remember that this show that you found yourself on today sets the intention, the foundation to really help you connect inwards so you can spread your love outwards by pulling back the layers restricting health alignment and love and the beautiful woman that I have on the show today is going to help us do just that. But before I pass to her and her soul, I want to remind everyone that if you're tuning into the show on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, remember that you can always leave your reviews, your feedback, your love in a, the review section. Remember that if this show really gives you some value, gives you some love, share it with a friend, family member that can really help their heart expand and if you're looking for some self-love resources, remember that my website or in the show links is a space and place you can go to download some free resources to start this journey. With that said, I want to introduce now the beautiful woman I have the pleasure to having a chat with today. Nancy Picard is a best-selling author. She's an integrative and breakthrough shadow coach. And probably the thing that I'm most excited to sort of connect with her today. She's a part of the Czech family, much like myself. We're going to get into today some interesting topics around shadow work and shadow identities. What is the soul's vision and how these things connect together with boundaries, with unconscious commitments and all of these spiritual topics. With that, Nancy, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Thank you. And thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I my friend, ever since our first uh, sort of podcast pre-chat, if you want to call it that, you know, I've been really looking forward to connecting to your energy and I'm excited for the work that you do in the world and I'm excited to share it with the audience. And I think where I want to start with people just to sort of get a foundation of who you are with the work you're doing now, I'm going to share a term with you that I'm sure you're familiar with is uh, the pain, pain teacher. And I think we have had many pain teachers in our life that really creates who we are in this moment. But I'm wondering, Nancy, just so people can get an idea of who you are, is there one pain teacher that stands out for you that really has promoted the work that you do today? Well, yes. So the impetus for change for me was my divorce after 26 years, but it was really Many years after that, that actually I was engaged and that relationship fell apart, that I finally recognized it can't just be the men. There must be something that the universe wants me to learn. And honestly, there was a lot that the universe wanted me to learn because I was really happy in the life that I created and made. 
And so when that all fell apart, and then I tried to recreate it a second time, the universe was like, no, there's so much more for you. And you are still other referenced. You're not loving yourself and you're not referencing yourself Mm -hmm. and you're not giving back and you're not utilizing your gifts. You're still out there looking for some man to completely you. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. That was, so that's my, that's my pink doctor. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, Nancy, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later when we talk more about the soul, the soul's vision. But, but I find it interesting that the universe, God, divine, whatever your name is for it, right? It, it tends to give us a lot of messages in the relationships we, we step into, right? And uh, a big part of the work I do in the world is through inner child. And I, I'm hearing what you're saying in regards to these past events that maybe we haven't healed yet one of the biggest ways they show themselves to us is in the dynamics that we attract would you say how did you come to that understanding nancy how did you because it sounds like you have a really good uh foundation for it now but in the moment it probably wasn't easy to see that i assume oh no i didn't no i didn't see it for many many years and I mean, with my divorce, especially, I was the victim in the story. And not only was I victim in the story, but I still was looking at his life, which was like bigger than life. And he was with a woman two years older than my son. And they were traveling all around the world and living this big, huge life. So it was like, how can I be happy when I'm seeing that? Instead of like letting that go and like working on myself and my life and not trying to compare myself with whatever was going on over there, because that had nothing to do with me and um, it had nothing to do with my happiness, but I was making it all about that. So those are big lessons. There's a lot of lessons for people who are codependent and in a relationship and think that that's the way life is and has to be. And there's a lot of learning there. There really is. The the V word, becoming the victim, I think is a, I don't want to say it's a trap, but I, 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 let's call it a pain teacher. Let's call it a challenge. Let's call it a, a lesson that I think a lot, a lot of us step into, right? I was just, just to share with you, Nancy, uh, a couple of days ago, my sister came to me and she was moving through a lot of, a lot of shit coming up in her world. And that was the first step that I shared with her. I said, you need to shift out of the victim mindset because if we don't shift out of the victim mindset, and maybe I can get your opinion on this, then we aren't able to see how the universe is giving us lessons. We aren't able to see the the universe happening for us instead of to us. Would you, exactly. do you resonate with that, my friend? Yeah, I, I, one of the coaching certifications that I have is called Healing Your Heart. That was the first one that I did, which also made me want to become a coach. And the first thing that they do in Healing Your Heart is you write out your whole relationship story from day one to the end. And within one week, two at the most, you recognize that you co-created it. And even if the only co-creation you did was your shadow beliefs, was your beliefs that attracted that person into your life, that's still enough. And so once you actually learn that you co-created a situation, that takes you out of victimhood. 
and it gives you back your power. And then from that place, you can first start saying, all right, what does the universe want me to be learning here? What are the lessons for me? Because I really don't want to be here again. And so let me learn the lessons and let me learn the small lessons so you don't have to keep giving me big ones. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, Nancy. I'm tuning into your energy already. And I just, I think it's just so powerful for people to hear, even if you've heard this before, but we need repetition is a very real thing, right? And if this is like the fourth, the fifth, the sixth time you're hearing it, maybe today is the time that maybe opens you up. And I'll just add to what you're saying. What it also helps us to do is it, it we live in a universe where the law of resonance is a real thing, right? So like attracts like. So when we're in that victim mindset, right, we're attracting more people, places, and things that are also in that sort of, if you want to call it lower frequency. When we shift to that powerful uh, sort of everything happening for me mindset. Now we attract the people, places, and things that are on that frequency. So it's also, you can also bring in the law of attraction to this as well. For sure. And, and also when you give up being in resistance to what is, and you surrender that everything happens for you and that whether you fall and you fall forward, it's all part of the evolution of your soul on earth this time around. Right. So if you can understand that, then you can let go of the resistance, which is what's keeping you stuck as the victim. And then you get to like, instead of going against the flow, like the salmon, you know, you get to float on your back and go with the stream of life and get creative and say, okay, this is where I am. And now what's my next step? How can I change my life from here? Love it. Nancy, speaking of changing your life, I want to ask you one more just curious element of your story that I'm interested in hearing more about. And then we can jump into all of the beautiful things that I think people are already tuning into what you do in this world. But before we get to that, I want to ask about Mount Kilimanjaro. And I want to ask about, I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, that that event happened after the separation. And it was a, it was a sort of you stepping into your power moment and realizing just how full of loving potential you actually were. were. So let me know about that and sort of what comes up around it. Well, it was much after my divorce and it was after my separation with my fiance. Also, as a matter of fact, I was single and I had started to, somebody was interested in, in dating me. And I basically said, no, not until I get back because I wanted this to be me solo because I had just uncovered my shadow belief about a year before that, that I wasn't safe alone. That was my shadow belief. So in that year, I went to Thailand by myself and I did a bike trip through Thailand. And then a few months later, I went to Vietnam by myself and, and did and, a bike trip there. And Nancy, sorry to interrupt, but just, just in case people are getting lost in your youthful energy, how old are you? Yeah. Just so people know. Uh, so I, when I decided to climb Kilimanjaro, I was 60. But by the time I went, I was 61. Yeah. And so at 61, like two weeks into my 61st birthday or my 60, you know, I was 61. So I guess into my 67th second birthday is when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And it was sort of letting me know that that's just a number and age doesn't mean a thing. And I still had, I was still rocking it and I was still had it all going on. And because in my 
earlier life, I was a trainer. Athleticism was is a big part of my life and who I am and how I see myself. And so, and I live in Colorado, so I was already in altitude. And so, because I was also a trainer, I overtrained and I got there mm. and I was in a group of 30 people, 20 year olds, 30 year olds, maybe a couple of 40s, maybe a 50, one other person around my age. And I couldn't even, they were so behind me that I actually had a fight for getting my own Sherpas so that I could do it my way and not have to do it their way. And it took me almost 48 hours of my eight hour trip to convince them I'm not doing it that way. Like this is my last big, huge trip like this and I'm going to rock it my way. And I did. And it was phenomenal. It's so inspiring my beautiful friend. And it, to me, it shows a couple of things. One, it shows the example of really what it means to age gracefully, right? I think there is a, I think there is a misconception that we, that in this culture that we live in, that we must age with deterioration, right? That health or a, age connects to a declining in health. And I just think that is one of the biggest misconceptions that is out there. And most importantly, in relation to the topic we're talking about today, it shows the the potential that we can access in relation to our soul that is opened once we start to release the parts of us that are in separation and resistance. So the shadow, the shadow beliefs or the shadow stories that you were talking about, they don't just exist there and they're doing nothing. They're waiting to be resolved, but they're waiting in resistance. And when we release those beliefs, it releases energy, right? It releases potential. It unlocks more. Did that, does that resonate, my friend? Did you notice that in regards to what you were able to do? Yeah, I was, um, I wasn't afraid of the trip or my ability, but, you know, spending eight nights, like in a tent outside as a woman of my age, that wore on me more than anything else. And yet even that I was taking all kinds of um, Chinese herbs and I was spraying thieves like with a nasal spray up my nose and everybody got sick in that everybody got sick except for me every single person by the end of the trip because we ate in one small tent every you know all of our meals were together and I just kept doing everything I could and you know I think the younger people were just winging it they just they didn't you know they didn't they weren't as prepared to take care of their body like I was, and it paid off big time. If you're listening to this and you're inspired by Nancy's story, definitely reach out to her. But secondly, you know, don't see this as a Nancy thing, right? See this as a, this is inside of all of us, no matter where you are on that spectrum. And I really want to promote this chat today. This is why I want to have Nancy on because she's a beautiful shining light of what is not only just possible for the individuals, but as the collective. Nancy, I want to jump in now to some of the work that you do and the things that you talk about. And we've, we've hit on some of them thus far already, but let's take it back to basics and then we can build up. Sure. I'm wondering if you can explain what is a, what's a shadow belief or a, or what is, you now this is part of your work and you just, you talked about the unconscious commitments a little bit a second ago but maybe define what a shadow belief is, and then we can go into that. So your shadow beliefs are the beliefs that are formed 
in the first 10 years of your life, but you're not aware of them. So they happen in an instant. Something happens. You're not emotionally mature enough to understand it. And so in your subconscious, you immediately give it a meaning. And the meaning is really to protect you. It helps you, keeps you safe as a child. And it does. So I'll give you some examples. Uh, My own example was that um, when I was five years old, I was playing with a lighter and my whole little party dress went up in flames and I went up in flames and I was in the hospital for a week and I was getting shots every day, but I don't have any lasting burns on my body. And I didn't get in trouble because my parents were like lucky and happy I was alive. So I didn't really give that a lot of meaning until I was almost 50. And I was working with a shadow coach and I was in a car accident and I was having PTSD from this accident because, again, I didn't really get hurt, but I was really a mess and it wouldn't go. It, it wasn't ending. So we did a shadow process around what subpersonality had something they wanted me to know about this accident. And she took me into a meditation and to close my eyes. And what did I see and find me at a younger age? And I found me at five years old in my little party dress. And I said, oh, my God, I felt like I was in an exorcism. Like she's like, oh, my God. She said, what does she want you to know? And I thought about it and I said, she wants me to know that I'm not safe alone. Now, for a five-year-old, that makes perfect sense. I Obviously, I put myself on fire. I wasn't safe alone. As a woman at 50 years old who was now divorced and unhappy and trying to fix that picture over and over again, uncovering that belief was like, oh, my God, I can connect the dots of my whole life. I can see how it protected me. And now I see how it's keeping me playing small. So that's my example. It's a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. And yeah, I think you you yeah. have, I'm sure you've uncovered some of your own. They sound like I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. I need to be perfect to be loved. I need to stay quiet to be safe. I'm stupid. I need to stay quiet so no one will know. Um, I need to control everything for I, so, I, so I'm safe. I'll never be chosen. I'm not good with money. Spiritual people don't care about money. These are all beliefs that we are brought up with that hold us back. So let's just say you're seven years old and you stand up in class and you say something wrong and everybody laughs. That happens every day. You make this belief that you're stupid and you need to stay quiet so nobody will know. Fast forward, you're 30 years old and you're in meetings and you never give an opinion or share or speak So you get passed over job after job because they don't think you even have an idea. So Nancy, thank you for all those examples. And personally just I'm resonating with a lot of them. And I think so a few things here bubble up for me to share with you. First of all, within the spiritual community, I think this idea of, and I would equate what you're talking about with this idea of shadow work as as a modality at large, right? So going back to these shadow beliefs, working with them, bringing awareness to them and releasing them, I would classify as shadow work. But I think where a lot of people get stuck is we judge, 
we judge these beliefs. We judge these, these elements that were made at that time. And in that judgment, it actually stops us from healing them. But that's not what you're saying. You're not adding judgment to these beliefs. You're actually saying that these beliefs come from a space and place in which we are protected at first. Like it's keeping us safe in some way. It's, it's, it's putting up a barrier so we don't get hurt again. And I think this is really significant for people to hear because we can't heal the thing with the same energy that made it. So meaning that if I'm judging the belief for being there in the first place, that, oh, this belief is just holding me back. It's restricting me. It's stopping me from stepping into my potential. Yes, it may be doing those things, but the answer is not putting more resistance towards it. It's learning to forgive. It's learning to accept. It's learning to heal and it's learning to step forward. So I want people to hear that from what Nancy's saying is we start to rewrite and do the shadow work from a space of love, not from a space of extra separation. Does that resonate? Yeah. My friend? I, I think you need to start with a thank you. Mm. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for keeping me safe because you did, because they do. I grew up. So to go with your belief, you make an underlying commitment. You make a promise to yourself. You have a strategy for how you're going to keep that belief alive. So for me, the strategy was I'm going to be the best girlfriend and I'm going to have a million friends and every man is every boy and man is going to want me because I'm going to be like the best. And so that did serve me. I was very popular. I always had a boyfriend. It served me for most of my life. But then it became like a crutch. And so if you have a belief that you're stupid and you need to stay quiet, well, as a child or a little boy, that keeps you safe. If you are an abusive family or an alcoholic parent and you learn that your opinion doesn't matter or that you need to be quiet so you don't get hurt, well, that saves you. So you have to honor it and understand that as a child, you needed it. But as an adult, you don't need it anymore. And instead of helping you, it's now keeping you small and hurting you. It goes back to your story at the start, Nancy, with the relationships that you had. And I think a big part of this is reminding ourselves of how creative we are, how much creation energy we have, both in the unconscious creation energy that we're committing to these commitments, we're sustaining them, but also the creation energy we have to be able to let them go, to forgive, to release, to step forward. I, uh, another question here that bubbles up, Nancy, if someone, so a big theme of what we're talking about thus far is that a lot of these things are unconscious, right? And we can't, we can't heal them. We can't change them. We can't rewrite them. We can't let them go until we bring them into the conscious awareness. So how can we start noticing what are what are some things we can look for to maybe see and realize some of these shadow beliefs or these commitments that are playing out in our life what can we look for you mean other than hiring a shadow coach other than hiring a beautiful shadow coach much like yourself yeah. um well just and i'm not trying to plug my book but my book 
is for people who aren't hiring a coach. So it has all the exercises and the internal processes. So how you can uncover them. So if you're not doing that either, then what you can start to do is what are the fears that are holding you back? And what are you telling yourself? And then take it back in time. When else have you felt those feelings? When else have you felt, had those conversations with yourself? And then keep going back until you try to get all the way back under the age of 10 and try to see if, if something specific happened or if there was, it, it's not always like mine was, my, my shadow belief was a classic belief. It, that one was a classic belief. My body image ones are different because I grew up in a household where um, my mother always struggled with her weight. And so I had the shadow belief that love and life means struggling with weight. Like I was primed for it. It wasn't one thing. It was a lot of things. So start to look back in your life and see what are the messages that your parents or your siblings or your teachers or your religious communities. You know, I can't tell you how many shadow beliefs people have from their siblings. Yeah. From being beat up, from being tortured, like from being told that, you know, they're stupid and all of these things. I mean, in normal households, not even in, you know, abusive households where you, you, you know, that I understand. I mean, I have so many clients who were sexually abused as children, male and female, who, you know, have so many beliefs about that, about being a bad person. Because something bad happened to them, but as a child, you think I must be a bad person. And then and then you want to be invisible. So you have invisibility beliefs. And I need to stay invisible. And so you either become anorexic or bulimic or 300 pounds, thinking that's going to keep you invisible. Yeah. But the reality is it you're always being yeah. So this brings up a very powerful point. Thank you for sharing those examples, Nancy. And I think for me, one of the ways that I both do work on my shadow beliefs and help people with, and I want to get your input on this, is also looking at how our life is going. Look at how our, how our goals are moving forward, how our business is running, how our health Right. I don't know if you've read the book, my friend, The Body Keeps Score by Mr. Bezel van der Kolk, but he talks, one, about the high statistics of sexual abuse that you were just alluding to. But two, he talks about how the body truly tells the story of our lives. So if we are holding on to a lot of these powerful, these powerful beliefs that are restricting us and these commitments that we're making unconsciously, our body will express that in many ways. So if you're listening to this and you have you know, an autoimmune condition that you're having trouble moving through, or you're having, you have IBS or you have, you have sexual dysfunction or you can't get pregnant. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that what all that, what these are a uh, mental and emotional challenges. There are always physical components, but what I am saying is that this conversation that I'm having with Nancy around these beliefs and these commitments, they play a role, right? So look at what's happening in your current reality and that can be a breadcrumb to start going backwards. Does that resonate, my friend? Yes, yes. And you make a really good point because if you don't listen to your body, 
your body won't listen to you. And I have a couple of like major examples. Um, Paul Check, who we both know, once told me that I work out more than his professional athletes and that I looked amazing at the outside, but that I was burning myself out from the inside out. I thought he was full of crap. Fast forward, I don't even know from that point, but maybe within a year or two, I got melanoma on my shin. So I had let my immune system go and I, you know, and that let me, the, the, the cancer get, you know, I couldn't fight it off. And my son, Jason's meditation coach came to the, I, I, I had the surgery in New York. I went to his apartment to recover because I was already living in Colorado and this meditation coach comes over and she takes my hands and she says, isn't it amazing what the universe had to do to get you to slow down? And I, I didn't believe it at that point. And I'm literally looking at this woman's thinking, you are frigging crazy. crazy. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You think my cancer has anything to do? So fast forward, I finally got into this, all of this, and I did start to believe it. And so I am an exercise addict. Like I can admit that I could go to AA and stand up and say, I'm addicted to exercise. So I've made a rule with myself that I can never do more than two things. And I kept that rule until I started to train for Kilimanjaro. And then I let it all go because now I had this big excuse. Well, by the time I went to Vietnam and Thailand and then Kilimanjaro and trained for six months, I ended up with adrenal fatigue and every kind of parasite and bacteria known to mankind. Twice, the universe has said to me, I'm not fooling around here. So thank you for sharing that story, my friend, and quoting Mr. Paul Check since you did it as well. It's this balance between the, the working out with the working in, right? Or the people, the people in the world that might know it as the yin and the yang energy, right? We need to be aware that, and we're just talking about exercise here, but this applies to all things in life. There needs to be this beautiful balance between the energy that we put out into the world and we expend and the energy that we're cultivating within ourselves. And as Nancy is beautifully highlighting, that, that frequency around us will remind us, hey, this is where you are on that tightrope and we need to push you back so some balance is needed. Speaking of sort of connecting back into deeper messages, Nancy, I now want to sort of shift this chat as I tend to do on this show and take it even more spiritual. And you, one of the things that you like to express and talk about and dive into with clients, I presume, is this idea of a, a soul vision like your soul's vision. And, and it sounds like similar to a soul path. So maybe let's start with how do you describe this? And then uh, we'll go back and forth on this topic. Okay. So I think that a lot of us have a vision for what they, we think our, our life should look like, but that vision is not necessarily like what our soul wants for us. It's what our parents want for us or our partner wants for us, or even our children want for us. Like I have grown kids. So they, 
they're always like trying to manipulate me a little. And, you know, I should be more of this and I should think more of that, you know, you know, all of that. Um, And so your soul's vision is really getting quiet enough and getting into a meditative state before you start asking yourself, what do I want? What would make my soul dance? What would make me so happy? And I take my clients through the life wheel, spirituality, finances, love relationships, friendships, environment, health and wellness, play, all the different areas. And from that meditative state, I start asking those questions. And then we see what pops up from there, because that's what you really want for yourself, not from the ego and what the ego thinks you should have. You said a very, you said a lot of things in there, but two very things, two important words I want to pull out and elaborate on the ego and thinking. I have a question for you based off this, but let me just share here my perspective on this. I, uh, for people listening, God, go back and listen to an episode I did talking about the difference between thinking, feeling, intuiting, and sensing. And a lot of us live in a world where we, I think the education system is a big part of this. We think and learn that thinking is the only way in which we interpret reality or interpret information. So when we have thoughts, going back to the shadow beliefs, a belief is a thought that we keep thinking we feel that that is the only way that we are expressing ourselves or the way that we should be. But if you've been listening to this conversation with Nancy, or you've heard any other episodes I've done, you've at least understood that there are, you know, we have an intuition, right? We have emotions and these are other ways that communication moves through us. So I'm wondering, Nancy, in that, when you're talking about connecting to that soul and that soul's vision and in that meditative state, either with yourself or with clients, how does it talk? How does the soul talk? Like, does it, does it talk through thoughts? Does it talk through downloads? Does it talk through emotions? What have you noticed? It just comes up. So I don't know if it's coming down or it's coming up. I mean, I get, I get hits, right? Like I, when I was making writing my book, I couldn't come up with the title and everything I said, not everybody liked. And they just told me to stop thinking about it for months. And I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I sat up and I said, bigger, better, braver. That was a direct download. That's not exactly what I think happens in the sessions with me, although it could, but I think they're getting quiet enough and open enough to just things float up and they just open their mouth and spill it all out. And I'm taking notes and then they take notes and they come up with things that they really just weren't aware of. Yeah. It's so it's so interesting and fascinating to me, my beautiful friend, because I think this conversation that we're having right now in this moment on this topic, there's not many people talking about this, right? We, we, we live in a world where people are so busy. They're, like you just said, right? We talked about the balance of most of us are spending so much time 
going outwards. That not many of us, even the people that are meditating, are still they're doing all the things in the meditation, myself included. I fall into this trap all the time, right? I do I do the breath work, I do the I do the gratitude, I do the chakras. And it, we need to remember that, yes, those things are powerful, but we also need to be creating a space for that communication to be heard, right? And, it, and in my experience, and it sounds like yours too, it only comes up in that quietness. It only comes up in that void or that, or that uh, you know, feminine womb almost. Does that, does that resonate at all? Yeah, I do. We, you have to get quiet. You have to quiet the mind. However, you can quiet the mind. And when I'm taking my clients through these meditative processes, which we call internal processes, they do get quiet. And so answers come up that they're so surprised about. Mm -hmm. And it's just they're, they're in there. Like your vision does not need to be. It needs to be uncovered. It's in there. Yeah. It's already in there. You're not, you're not, you're not making it up as we go along. You're just letting it float up. It's in there. It already knows. Your soul knows what it wants for you. So powerful. I hope if anyone, if you take anything away from this chat, I hope you take a lot of things, but it's what Nancy just said, that little sound bite. It's I can relate. It's it's never been a adding on. It's always been a taking away to reveal the truth that's been there the whole time, which goes into my next question for you here, Nancy. When we are an individual that's looking to listen to this voice and connect to this soul vision, I think one of the challenges we can face being in a family, either as a as a child with parents or a parent with children, we can sometimes either consciously or unconsciously take on the the vision, the path, the, uh, the what was the word I'm trying to find, the parameters in which they believe or they want for us, right? I think of the, you know, the stereotypical parent that wants, wants their children to do the work that they never got to do. So they're projecting that onto their child. I'm wondering, one, what are your thoughts on this, my friend, and how can we start to make a separation here? Well, some of it is, is shadow beliefs. I won't be accepted or I won't be loved if I'm not this. If I'm different from my family, they'll, they'll turn from me or they'll leave me. So there's a lot of that. So do you have to first become self-referenced, right? You have to understand that this is your journey and your life. And this is your go around this time on earth. And you need to do what your soul wants for you. It's not as important what other people want for you. You have to get beyond that. And so you have to uncover the beliefs that are keeping you thinking that you need to be thinking. You're other referenced. You're making what they want so much more important than you're making what you want. And that's the first big hurdle is to become self-referenced and trust what you're telling yourself. I I have so many clients that were told they can't be writers, they can't be artists, that those are hobbies. They're not going to be a career. And then they go out and they get this other career and they don't love their other career. And, you know, and sometimes I'll say, okay, but that career is affording you 
to now write or to now make art. So on some level, sometimes just it's a means to an end. And if you can understand that and go with that, that's okay. Or other times it's like, okay, then that's not for you. You tried it. It's not for you. I mean, I had a 60-year-old CEO, very successful guy who was miserable. And when we started to do the work, what he came out with was that he always wanted his parents to be proud of him, that he had an older brother who was nothing but trouble. And so his shadow belief was to make his parents proud. And when he finally realized that he was 65 years old, very successful, a a husband and children, and that they were proud of him and that they would be proud of him, even if he gave up this career, which he then was able to give up and then go and do things he wanted to do. But he still had to uncover that childhood belief that he needed to make his parents proud. I hope people are listening and not just not just hearing Nancy's examples and 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 your your stories and these and these experiences you're sharing with clients. I hope as you're listening to Nancy, you're really tuning to how your body is responding. If your body is responding to these examples in a specific way, there's a high chance that you might have the same belief systems. I know I do in some ways. I'm listening to Nancy's stories and there are things that are moving inside of me. And I think again, going back to these belief systems, I want people to remember that this creation energy, it's there inside of you, right? And just stepping into it when you start to have these reactions. Nancy, I hear what you're saying and a word comes up and it's, it's boundaries, right? It's healthy, it's healthy boundaries that we can start to set with our, our parents or our children. And I, I want to get your perspective on this and maybe maybe some tips that you have around setting healthy boundaries because i think it's very profound what you said in regards to while we are a unique individual soul here with a journey and we are also connected to soul contracts and soul family we also must be able to distinguish right between what is theirs and what is mine and i think one of the ways we can do that is with healthy boundaries so what does a healthy boundary look like you look like for you, Nancy? So um, I'm a boundary coach. That's one of my certifications. And so what we work on is what is no longer tolerable for you, not just with other people, but with yourself. What is tolerable and what is not tolerable with you? And where do you start and the other person ends? So you're not, you're not the same person. And so when you start to, it's easier to start looking at boundaries with yourself, but I'm going to tell you something that if your shadow beliefs that you haven't uncovered are my opinion doesn't matter. My voice doesn't matter. Love and life means taking care of everyone before me, which was one of mine. It's very hard to set boundaries. Mm or I need to be perfect to be loved, or I need to control everything to be loved. It's very hard to set boundaries because if you are afraid to set a boundary because your partner's going to leave you or not love you. I mean, I used to really, really feel like I had to be 
super mom and super grandmother so that my boys would like really appreciate me. And I finally realized that I don't have to keep twisting myself up in a pretzel to be digestible to other people. I had to know what I wanted and then set healthy boundaries. And I will tell you that my son, Jason, at 30, way before I was a boundary coach, literally said to me once, mom, you've lived a big life and I know you have a lot of opinions. So I know where to go if I want one. But if I don't ask you for your opinion, I don't want it. And my mother, who was, you know, 30 or 40 years older than me, was still giving me her opinion on a daily basis. And here was my 30-year-old telling me no more. And how did you I respond, got it. Nancy? How did you respond to that? I I was shocked, to be honest with you, but I got it. It was like a warning. Yeah. And and he had been sort of not wanting my opinion anyway, but he literally said it. And I basically, I would laugh at my kids and say, I have the blood, like I'm choking on my blood from biting my tongue, from not giving my opinion, but I get it. He doesn't want it. And that's his right. So thank you for, <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Nancy. And that's a beautiful, I can see the image in my head. I, um, I, something I want to add to this is you know, I think that example with your son is a powerful one and it highlights something very significant. I think, and this might be connected to the shadow beliefs, but I think for a lot of people, myself included, can feel and are worried sometimes that by me putting up a boundary, it means I'm not loving the person, right? If me putting up a boundary and again, connected to certain beliefs, right? But I think a, a core one for a lot of people is that, right? It's that if I put up this boundary, then I'm, I'm not receiving the, the feedback or I'm not giving the feedback. And that thus means that I'm not in a healthy, loving relationship. And that's not what I heard when you were explaining that with your son, right? To me, when I was hearing that it was this beautiful being standing in his power in a loving way, telling you, his mom, what he needs and what he wants. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what I want to emphasize here that healthy boundaries aren't a deficiency in love. If anything, it creates a more loving relationship because now things are balanced going back to the, the working out and working in example. Does that resonate my friend? That's really it. You hit it because saying no to somebody else is saying yes to you. And no is a complete sentence. You don't have to go into a long dragged out I'm not available for that. I'm no longer available for that. Maybe you were available for it yesterday, but it's you're no longer available for that. Or I wish I could do that, but I really can't do that. End of conversation. Or I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying no to lending you money. I'm just no longer available for that. Or I love when you come over, but I need you to call me before you come. Would you be willing? You know, there's a script. We use boundary scripts. And what I want to say, I'll tell you the script in a second. But what I want to say more than anything else, the power of setting boundaries is how it makes you feel about yourself. That's it. it the, the 
self-care and the self-love that comes from setting boundaries makes you feel so good about yourself. And all of my clients, when I first start working with them with boundaries, they're afraid to set boundaries. They're afraid of the reaction of the other persons. And it's the opposite. What? Well, sorry to interrupt you, Nancy, but I've found it's the opposite. Not only when it, do they set the boundaries and the person doesn't react, often they are inspired by the boundaries that you set. Yeah, yeah. And they're, and then they recognize, you know, here's the thing. People are not mind readers. People in your life, they want to make you happy. They don't actually know what you need because you don't know what you need. You're not even asking yourself, what do I want? What do I need? What, you know, what do I need? Start with that. And then you tell other people. So that's really what it comes down to. And the reason why you use a boundary script is that it takes it off making the other person wrong. I feel, I feel sad. I feel stressed. I feel disrespected. I feel anxious. I feel angry when you drink too much or smoke too much or drive too fast or don't call me, whatever it is. I feel this when you do that. Would you be willing to do this? Yes. Simple. And the thing is, so many people are willing to stay in long-term discomfort because they're afraid of that short-term discomfort. And that's, that's the saddest part of all. It's so so impactful what you're saying nancy you know the the taking responsibility in that dynamic of expressing how you feel in that moment i think what it's also doing is it's stopping you from projecting onto the other person as well but i think often what we do is within the, that boundary conversation or within relationships at large we get into the trap of that person makes me feel this way that person makes makes me angry. That person made me sad. That person made me feel guilty and shameful. That person made me feel like I was not respected. And if you have, if you've been listening to this conversation thus far, no one can make you feel anything. You are the most powerful person in your reality. And if something is happening in that relationship, they are. We talked about the law of resonance, like attracts like. Now we're talking about the law of reflection, right? They are purely reflecting what is inside of you that needs to be seen. And what you are saying, beautiful Nancy, is when we take power and acknowledge that within the dynamic, then we actually get to the bottom of it rather than continuing the projection in the relationship that might be causing challenge. Yeah, great. Definitely spot on. (laughs) And I think that people are fearful that their boss or their children or their partners are not going to love them or accept them if you ask for what you need, but it really is not true. You you get respect and you respect yourself. Both things. And it's so important. And you also, the, 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 one of the biggest things about setting healthy boundaries is self-care. And people think that self-care is selfish. And they think that selfish is a bad word and selfless is a good word. And it's not true at all. It's a balance. If you are too selfish, it's not good. 
And if you are too selfless, you disappear. You're not even you're not even there. It's a balance. And so stop thinking that every single self-loving act you're doing is selfish. It's not. Nobody, when you just, when you are so overgiving, I mean, honestly, when I look back to my marriage that died, I partly, it's because I so overgave and so overdid that I became boring. You know, there, where was the, where was the hunt? Yeah. And where was me? And where was the hunt? So you really, you need to, you need to ask yourself every single morning. What's the most self-honoring thing I can do for myself today? That's how I start my day. And then whatever I come up with, whether it's, you know, exercising or not exercising or making a doctor's appointment or having a massage or calling somebody who I haven't spoken to doesn't have to be a big thing. But what is one thing I'm going to do today that's going to honor my soul? It's going to make me happy and feel like I love myself. That, uh, that, and I'm going to quote Mr. Paul Check again, because I know just how much we are connected to that family. It's the I before we and the we before all, right? It's realizing, and maybe another example that people can relate to, it's the, when the plane goes down, you know, you have to put on your mask first before you help the people that you love. And I would add to this, we also must realize that when we do that self-loving act or that self-caring act that Nancy was beautifully highlighting in the morning, our frequency of love expands, right? So we, we know now through science, through places like the Heart Math Institute, that our heart space actually has a recordable electromagnetic field, right? So when we are focusing on the self, right, and we're focusing on the self-care, the self-love, that heart frequency starts to expand further into the external environment, right? This is why you walk into a room and you can feel the frequency of the room. It's because there's many things going on, but a big part of it is that frequency and that impacts other people, right? So it, so powerful. Nancy, I really enjoyed this conversation. Mostly I've just enjoyed looking into your beautiful smiling face, but all of the value, all of the value and your wisdom that you've been dropping, I have one more question before we finish, but before I get to that, I want to now give you the container, the space, the opportunity. You've spoken about a couple of things here today, but if my audience is tuning into your love and the things that you do in the world and you want to offer them a space and place to go to, what do you want to share around your book, your coaching, et cetera? Well, I think that um, I'd love for anybody who wants to do group coaching or one-on-one coaching. That's amazing. I'm open for that. Um, you'll have all my information, but my website is nancypicardlifecoach.com. And I, I offer a free call to everybody who wants to see if this is for them. Uh, but the easiest and least expensive thing you can do is just buy my book, Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage, and Transform Your Life. Because you can start on your own. And then I have courses online that you can do yourself all about the book with audios. And um, I also have a course called career strategies for achieving your greatest potential. And that's on Gen connect you and you're going to have a 20% coupon for anybody who wants to get that course. I love um, it. 
And then there's all, you're also going to get a free chapter of my book, a link for a free chapter of my book. So follow me on Instagram or Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, any of those at Nancy Picard Life Coach. And I'd love to hear from you. As always, beautiful listeners out there in the podcast world, as Nancy alluded to, if you go to the show details of the podcast play, you're listening to this episode through your ears. Uh, you'll see all those details, all those links, all the all the social websites. So just click on them directly and follow Nancy's love trail. Nancy, a big uh, foundation of my podcast is a conversation, a mystical conversation of what it means to come back to our deep space of love, right? So we can connect into that to not only help ourselves, but then connect outward as the cosmic love antenna that we are to impact the world. I'm wondering, my friend, how do you personally define that love word yourself? How do I define self-love? What is self-love? Or just love, love in general, my friend. Um, well, I think that it's, it, to me, that's sort of like, what color do you like? There's the different colors for different things. So I think that a big part of, of loving other people is learning to love yourself first. Mm. Because if you don't truly love yourself, then you're not wholly opening your heart to love other people. So it's really an inside job. And that's where it starts. And I think that's the most important lesson. You have to become the relationship you want to have. And it starts with having it with you. What a beautiful summary of all the things that we've been talking about here today, right? Nancy, I love you very much and I appreciate you spending time with me here today. Thank you for sharing your love with me and people listening. Beautiful podcast guests and audience out there in the podcast world. Thank you for giving us your ears and your frequency. We will catch you next time here on the Cosmic Love Antenna. But until then, have a wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And we'll see you next time here on the show. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. 
Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.